from BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie with you. Jim Barfield back with us. Jim is the director of the Copper Scroll Project. Now his personal interest in Bible study led him to the Dead Sea Scrolls where he came across the least understandable scroll of all. It's called the Copper Scroll. It describes gold, silver, gems, and temple artifacts, which upon discovery will signal the coming of end times. Jim is a retired criminal investigator, multiple career positions. After his retirement in 2005, he founded the Copper Scroll Project and began traveling to Israel to confirm his research on the ancient documents and development relationships with the Israeli government and civil leaders to conduct an excavation of the ruins of Qumran to discover the 57 potential hordes of temple treasures that are buried under the National Park. Jim, welcome back. How how you been? It's been a while. It has been a while. How are you, Mr. Norris? Everything is good. And how's the project coming along? Well, the pandemic really put the put the brakes on things. We'd actually been um, out of business for about, oh, I guess a little over a year and a half now. Uh, we, we've still been, we've still been doing some projects and speaking in a lot of places, but actually getting back to Israel, uh, it's, it's put a stop to that. The Israelis are really strict about the uh, COVID-19 stuff. So we are, we are getting ready to go back over hopefully in January. How did you get involved in this project in the first place, Jim? <laughs> it's uh, just like you said uh, in your introduction. I was, uh, I it was Bible study. Sounds crazy, and it sounds incredibly far fetched. But it really was. It was my Bible study. I got to studying, and I realized that uh, you know, in, in 30 A.D., there were three main groups: there were the Sadducees, Pharisees, and the Essenes. And, but the uh, New Testament appeared never to mention the Essenes. And since Jesus opposed the other two groups, Pharisees and Sadducees, I focused on the Essenes. 
And all the ancient historians, uh, Philo, Pliny, Josephus, uh, really spoke highly of the Essenes. So I started studying those guys. And, George, it was just incredible uh, how much the Essenes were praised by the, these um, men. Uh, and then I, uh, I, I started getting deeper into it, and the amazing similarities turned into really undeniable parallels in teachings, religious practices, financial observations, material ownership, uh, rules, and, and time requirements for the promotions within the group of the Essenes that matched the, uh, the group, the, the disciples of the groups of uh, John the Baptist and Jesus, exactly. And that's why I got to studying into it. And the more I studied into it, I got to, uh, I got to the books uh, about the community rule and that sort of thing. And I realized that their names... Even the names, the titles of the groups that uh, Jesus and John the Baptist were with, the poor, the sons of light, the way, the brethren, the many, the lot of Melchizedek, which is better known as the Melchizedek order, they were all the same names that they were using in the Bible for uh, the disciples and the men that uh, Jesus and John the Baptist were working with. Even the book of Hebrews, there's a lot of details about the order in there that actually says that Jesus was of the lot of Melchizedek or the order of Melchizedek order. You've done your homework, Jimmy. Oh gosh, it was it's just it's been amazing. And and you know what, let me I'm going to be honest with you. When I first got to Israel and I sat down with the uh the director the director general for the Antiquities Authority, the guy thought I was a nut. And you know, I I understood. Here's a guy from Oklahoma going to Israel, sitting down with the uh, head of the Antiquities Authority and his wife. Uh, they had invited me to, to a room, at, or not a room, but a uh, uh, kind of a, a parlor at the uh, Citadel Hotel in downtown Jerusalem. But you know what? After about five minutes of talking to the guy, he just, he just loved it. And, and he, he grabbed his phone, and I thought he was angry at first. He grabbed his phone out of his bag, and he called and set up a meeting between me and Yitzhak Mogan and Yuval Peleg. Yuval Peleg was actually the archaeologist uh, that worked at Qumran. Uh, he loved it. And he, he and I had some more meetings, and that's how the things really began to happen. And when we last talked, which was about four years ago, has anything changed over the past four years in terms of information? Yeah, yeah there has been. There's been more information uh, about, uh, let me give you an example. There's a, uh, in the Copper Scroll, it talks about a location called the uh, Cliff of Judgment. In that Cliff of Judgment, or that story about the Cliff of Judgment, I began to study details around Qumran, and around the, the surrounding cliffs, well, there was a there was a place called on the in the um, town that it's called the Zook. That's the place where the uh, the Israelis would would stand with the uh, the priest or the man that escorted the goat, the Azazel goat, out to the cliff and would push him off of the cliff. And oh my goodness, when I got to doing the study on it. 
I pulled up I pulled up a uh, because I wasn't in Israel at the time. I pulled up the uh, Google Earth, and as I zoomed in on the spot that I thought might be the place where they pushed the goat off the cliff, because when they talked about it, they it said that the goat would fall so far that it would it would literally destroy the goat before it ever hit the ground at the, at the other end. It just it tore the beds. It sounds horrible, but that's what happened. And the cliffs around Qumran, I kind of thought initially that that was going to be the place where they pushed the goat off. It it, it would kill the goat, but it wouldn't have it wouldn't have done that much damage to it. So I went to another place that's about a mile away, and I zoomed in on it. And oh my goodness, there's a there's a perfect spot there where they could see uh, they could actually see Qumran from there, and the people at Qumran. Could see the uh, see the events taking place with the goat. Do you, did I talk to you about a uh, stone that set out at the south end of the Qumran complex? I can't recall. I don't think so. Uh, that's what I thought. There is a stone. It's probably two feet wide, two and a half feet long, and two and a half feet tall. They talk about in the Talmud uh, that which is like a uh, a major dictionary for Jewish information. Uh, they have debates in there and that sort of thing. And where they, they discuss it in what is called Yoma, uh, it means the day, like the Day of Atonement information. And they said that they would, they took a ribbon out to this location near um, near Kumon where they would push it off, and, they, and I measured it. Based on the information from the Talmud, I measured it, and it was exactly the right distance. And I thought, well... Maybe, maybe this is the place. So I kept studying it, kept looking at it, and I, I literally measured it out uh, by by the feet because with Google Earth you can do that. You can you can measure the feet, miles, uh, everything. What I found was this: that spot matched it exactly, and in the Talmud it said that they took a piece of the ribbon, tied it to the door of the temple. It's a red ribbon. And then they took another piece the day before, and they went out to a place where they observed it, and they tied it to a rock. I'm going to tell you that that rock has got to be the spot because it's a perfect place to locate, uh, locate yourself to see what's happening. And it's got a hole board in it where you could set a, uh, a block of wood with, to tie the ribbon to. And then the other piece of the ribbon, of course, went with a goat. Now this this sounds crazy, but guys, I'm telling you, it's it's true. They would push the goat off, and if the goat, uh, if God forgave the sins of Israel, then the ribbon would turn white, and that's that's exactly what happened. Hmm. It, it was amazing. So anyway, I've I've shown my research to some uh, Israelis, and there's a gentleman in the United States. That I showed it to. He is a uh, expert. Um, he's an expert on the all the things uh, that pertain to the temple, and he said, "Yeah, this, this, my goodness, this makes so much more sense than whether they say that this actually took place at." I'm Katia Adler, host of the Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. 
Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Jim, I'd like you to describe for folks the Dead Sea Scrolls. Then we'll get into the Copper Scroll, of course. The Dead Sea Scrolls were actually, the, the place where they found all these, it's called a Geniza. In Hebrew, that's a, it's a place for storing old documents. Well, they, they would store them in these guineas because they've got the name of God on them. And if they, anything that has the name of God on it, they want to make sure that it's protected because they hold the name of God in such high esteem. Mm-hmm. Well, all these, all these books, scrolls, begin to get collected inside of these caves, which they used as guineas storage places. Were they in little, like, clay vases? No, well, no, they're not little. They were actually pretty big. They're about uh, two and a half feet tall. They got a clay lid, and they're about, oh, I'm going to say about a foot in diameter. And there's one scroll per vase? No, there's usually a couple of scrolls. A couple of them. Uh, you would be surprised how tiny, whenever they print these the scrolls, they... I would have to use my my glasses and a magnifying glass to be able to read them. They're just tiny little uh, letters, and so they could get, because the scrolls were difficult to make. They were made out of uh, lamb skin, goat skin, ibex skins, and they would uh, they would write on them. They would line it out. They would cut it, and then they'd sew each section of the lamb skin together to make a, uh, to make a scroll. And they rolled them up? Yes, they did. They rolled it up just like like it sounds into a scroll. Uh, usually two-sided, they'd roll it out on one side and then and spin it and turn it and be able to find the locations that they wanted in, within the Bible. How many scrolls were there hidden away there in the cave? <clears throat> Every book of the Bible, except the New Testament, uh, for what they call the Torah, uh, the writings, and, and the prophets, uh, all the books were found, including the books of Enoch, the book of Jubilees. Uh, the only one, the only one that wasn't found was the book of Esther. It hadn't been found in there. Maybe it will be. I, I don't know. But uh, that's the only one that was not there. But it's the books about this sect, about the um, about the Essenes, their their secular practices, 
that are the most fascinating. And those are the ones that drew me to to them because they explained so much about, you know, I absolutely believe that John the Baptist and Jesus were both associated with, very uh, strongly associated with the, the Essenes at Qumran. Who are the ones who apparently wrote the scrolls, right? Yes. Yeah, I don't. I don't know how a lot of these experts uh, don't recognize these these things with the uh, with the Essenes. There's so many matching details about the Essenes. It's impossible not to recognize it. Sometimes it's almost like they they don't want people to realize and see what's there. Uh, there's there's actually there's a time that I was listening to the radio. And they were talking about a discovery at Qumran. They had found a grave that was made, and the uh, casket was covered with mica. And they said it was obviously a very important individual. The next day, you I've never heard anything about it since then. Who could that have possibly been? I don't know. I'm hmm. Certainly, I think it could have been Jeremiah or... Um, uh, Ezekiel, any one of the prophets. Over what period of time, Jim, do you think the scrolls were made? A couple of years, three years, four years? How long do you think it took? To make one scroll? To make all of them. Oh, gosh. You're talking hundreds of years. They, they, really? Because, yeah, oh, gosh, yeah, because they, the scenes didn't pop up overnight. So, uh, I absolutely believe that they are the group that uh, Samuel, he had a school of prophets, and the, their studies were done out there, uh, uh, dating studies of Qumran and the, and the buildings, and uh, Roland DeBeau uh, actually thought that that was the location where the uh, Essenes had a college. So, yeah, I, I, it was years, because it, they would write a scroll, and then another prophet would pop up. Let's say Samuel, for example. Samuel would hear, write his scrolls there, and, of course, they would copy them. And they had a scriptorium uh, within the ruins of Qumran. It was a long building, so they could stretch the scrolls out. They had long tables that they would put the scrolls on, and they could write and recopy the uh, scrolls. And that's, that's why it's so hard to date them, other than if they do um, uh, carbon dating. Does it look like one person may have been responsible for a number of scrolls over a certain amount of years, and then maybe that person died and somebody else came in? Yeah, and they base that primarily on, just like they do handwriting analysis. They look at it, and, and it's like with the Copper Scroll. You can see five different handwritings on the Copper Scroll. So, yes, I do believe that one guy would, uh, you know, serve his time as the uh, as the uh, the scribe. Provider. Thank you, scribe, and and then another gentleman would step up and take the job because you had to have some skill to be able to write that tiny and make it legible. And then you you have to think about. Have you ever heard of uh, the? Um, oh gosh, I can't think of it. Uh, they mezuzah. They put it on the doors. You ever heard of those no, things? I have not. No. They're a little, they're a scroll of, from out of Deuteronomy, and they're tiny little scrolls, but they've got an entire section of Deuteronomy written on it. Well, they found one of them at Qumran, one of these uh, scrolls that fit inside of a mezuzah. 
you, in the Bible, it says you shall put these on the doorpost of your house, and you will read about them when you rise up, when you go to bed, that sort of thing. Well, they literally put them on their doorposts. And those tiny little scrolls, they found one of them, and they had to have taken a, a hair, dipped it in the ink, and wrote the scroll. That's, that's how tiny they were. Yeah, that's amazing. Do you so th- they, these guys were skilled. Do you think the scrolls were dictated, Jim, or simply written out? I think they were dictated initially. I'm sure they were. Because, uh, for example, Jeremiah had his own, he had his own scribe. So who they, came they, along they with him. Yeah, they had their own scribe. His, his Jeremiah's was Baruch. They would all, uh, he would sit down with him and they'd write these, these scrolls out. And Baruch even wrote, had uh, some of his own writings are in the Dead Sea Scrolls. So basically the scrolls are the Bible. Yeah, that, and I'm telling you, Qumran, I don't know if I told you the last time I talked to you, but Qumran, uh, I was doing a study, and I was, trying to, I was trying to determine some information about Qumran. So I was looking for a map of Jerusalem at the time of Jeremiah. Did I tell you about this? No. Well, I, found, I found a map of Jerusalem, only I didn't recognize it. Of course, it was written at the time of Jeremiah. And matter of fact, when I saw it, I thought it, it was a, uh, a map of Jerusalem, of Qumran upside down. And I thought, my goodness, why would this guy, whoever this was on the website, why would he put a map of Qumran on there for one thing? And then why would he put it upside down? Well, <laughs> it wasn't Qumran. It wasn't that. Yeah, what happened was... Was it, was it accurate, though? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it was accurate. It was accurate, uh, as good as guys at that time could, could make it. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. 